Thanks for downloading this episode from Teachers Talk Radio. You can find the full schedule and listen back to all our shows at ttradio.org. Enjoy the podcast. In today's educational environment, students and teachers are juggling a mix of face-to-face, online and blended learning courses. Canvas by Instructure helps teachers navigate these diverse learning experiences with a user-friendly virtual learning environment that offers flexible access to courses and a consistent learning experience, all while streamlining everyday teaching processes. The world's best schools and universities are using Canvas to create dynamic courses, collaborate seamlessly, and access actionable data that drives student success. Are you looking for lesson planning materials to kickstart the new term? We've got you covered. The Day is a global online resource that turns the news into lessons. We're offering listeners a free resource on Andrew Tate that you can find on thedaynews.co forward slash Tate. Inspire personal development and critical thinking for your students by downloading the Tate Debate today and feel more confident addressing sensitive topics with your class. Visit thedaynews.co forward slash Tate to find out more. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Teachers Talk Radio. Uh, It's me again um, for The Late Show, where this evening um, I'm going to be talking all things behaviour with some Classroom Management 101s. Um, I've got a series of well, let's say between 10 and 15 scenarios slash questions, which range from things that uh, I guess you could call them facts. They're like common uh, challenges, questions, situations, scenarios that teachers find themselves in. And I'm going to discuss with three other teachers this evening what they would do in the situation where they presented with these things. Now, granted, uh, this might not be phase specific. Some of them are I guess, more geared towards secondary level, I guess. But a lot of them are just common across all phases and levels. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's going to be really interesting to discuss um, what my guests would do. Um, And of course, we're all just teachers. Not not one of us would sort of sit here and say, we are an expert. We're all still teaching. Uh, I've got three panellists plus myself. Um, All four of us are still in the classroom at various phases, levels, um, experience levels and all the rest of it. So it's going to be really interesting to talk to three teachers who are very much on the front line still about these different scenarios. Now, we know if you check out any survey that exists at the moment, whether it be a union-based questionnaire or survey, whether it be something from a survey group or survey company, um, whether it be from government, you will find that most teachers claim that behaviour has got worse in the last couple of years since the pandemic. So I guess one of the responses to that for me is to explore the things that are within our control 
to change or to try and adapt to. Um, I mean, some things are going to be outside the teacher's control and outside of the school's control. But there's always going to be certain factors that that teachers can control or at least make a difference to. So as I say, I've got 10 to 15 different um, common scenarios faced by teachers in different settings that we're going to run through. And of course, during this, if you want to get involved yourself in the bottom right hand side, there's a little speech bubble, um, a little sort of speech icon where you can leave your own questions or comments or anything you want us to discuss tonight. Um, any particular things that you think, oh, do you know what? They missed that. That would be a really good discussion point. Hit the little um, speech icon in the bottom right hand side and you can get involved by just tweeting us and sending us in um, a question or, or whatever. Um, before, just before we get started, um, it's probably a good time for me to mention that this show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational. And um, we've actually pinned to the top of the space a tweet from us referencing the discount that John Cat are providing to any Teachers Talk Radio listener who uses the code JCTTR2324 on checkout for any book um, at johncatbookshop.com, you get 20% off your order. So it's well worth checking out if you've got anything that you're thinking, oh, do you know what? I was meaning to get that book ages ago, um, but I might get it now. You can get 20% off um, by using JCTTR2324 um, at johncatbookshop.com and that code is in the tweet that i've pinned the post that i've pinned into the space or nathan has pinned into the space i should say let me now introduce some of my guests this evening uh, we'll just check they can hear us and we'll check that we're ready to go so andy can you unmute yourself there we go yeah hi hi good evening how are you today yeah you're lucky it's half term you're lucky to find me sober to be honest so <laughs> Well, you know what? Some of what we're discussing, maybe that's not a bad thing. I'm joking. I, we always have to be sober with these conversations because it's, it's, it's going to be challenging. Um, we've also, so I'll come back to you in a minute, um, Andy, so you can introduce yourself. I'll just check we've got Mrs. Gilmore with us as well. Hi there. Good evening. Good evening. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. It's the end of our half term up here. So, um, yeah. Excellent. <laughs> first day back yeah. i don't know your first name so I, i'm going to ask Gillian. right well i'm going to ask you to introduce yourself first julie and then i'll come to andy so tell everybody what you do and what you're doing and and a little bit on your journey to this point okay so i'm a math teacher and i've been teaching math since 2005 um i've taught in scotland and i've taught abroad i taught in nairobi mexico city and kuwait um wow. so i've taught the, I've taught under the, the GCSE um, A-level and International Baccalaureate as well, so I'm familiar with the, the English qualification system. Um, and right now I'm a temporary teacher of maths um, and I've got a contract until June because at the moment, I don't know if it's the same down in England, but trying to find a permanent contract is quite difficult. Um, so that's that's where I'm at just now at my stage in my journey. So I'm a classroom teacher. Um teaching maths at the minute okay and andy can you introduce yourself as well yeah i'm i don't really know why i'm here to be honest i don't think i'm any now, more of an would expert you stop with that now please? yeah i, I don't think i'm any more of an expert than anyone else but 
I am a second year maths teacher for have been for 20 plus years. Um, uh, I'm currently a joint head of department. Um, I've taught in state schools, private schools, um, and yeah, I've taught A level GCSE. I've done a little bit um, down in Key Stage 2 as well, and still do a little bit in Key Stage 2 as well. Wow. Well, well, listen, I think just in experience terms, um, you've both got you know, a real range of experiences there, which are going to help the discussion. I'm also going to have Derek join us as well, um, hopefully in a bit. Um, I have invited him, so hopefully he can he can connect in. But um, we're going to have sort of a broad range in discussion. We're going to go through some of these sort of scenarios. Some of them are pretty common. Um, so I, I thought we'd start with like some of the most common ones. So the first one that I've written down here, some of them are, have actually come in from listeners. About 60% I've come up with and about 40% have come in from other people. So the first one is a large number of students are continuing to talk while you're talking. Now, I honestly think this is like one of the most common things that can happen um, to to any teacher, actually, in certain contexts. Um, so... I wondered, maybe I'll start with you, Andy, whether you had any thoughts or any immediate sort of reaction to that problem or challenge that a large number of students are continuing to talk while you're talking. Yeah, it's a tough one because uh, you're under pressure to get a certain amount of content um, covered. Mm. Um, yeah. You, you can um, fire out the old... Uh, uh, it's your time you're wasting, if you like, but people just, they don't, they won't necessarily care about that. Um, I, when I was, when I taught uh, at certain schools, I've always had uh, classes of a certain type where this was an issue, where it was, this was an issue. So it all boils down to relationships and, you know, I'll show you a bit of respect if, if um, you know, oh no, not quite. It's all about respect for each other. So if the kids respect you and you respect the kids, then it, it makes it a bit easier. But that takes a while to set up. So that's not the most helpful comment yes. from me. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a tricky one. I Everyone says to wait, but eventually you're going to have to start. And, and actually there will be there will be people who don't care how long you wait. They'll just be – and then the bell will go and they'll get up and leave. Go, cheers, see you later. Yeah. I mean, would you suggest perhaps um, one thing that I've read and that I've, that I've done before myself is to sort of address individuals with if there's a if there's a group sort of go through individuals and address each individual in turn? Um, I think yeah, some... not making a big thing uh, of it yeah. and going and having a quiet yeah. word is probably more. Uh more productive than maybe sort of standing there and shouting at the front. Um, that's, I'm, you know, I'm trying to speak here. So sort of do your mind type thing. Trying to be polite with it, actually. It's showing a bit of respect. I, I'm, I'm on the committee of a cricket club and we have um, uh, groups of kids coming along and smoking things they shouldn't be smoking on our pavilion steps and stuff. And actually, if you, if you talk to them, like the human beings, they tend to actually go. Well, okay, fair enough. Mm. I'll, you yeah. know, I'll I'll toe the line then. So a little bit of respect yeah. is the I've... most important thing, I think. Well, I think your t- your tone and approach is, f- for me, important, isn't it? Because you need to start from a position of, like you say, of of sort of respect and 
not not necessarily deference that's a completely yeah, different thing but agreed. of 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 respect and just you know talking um to them as people and individuals and and everything now i i i think most teachers will will do that from from a matter of course but sometimes it is worth sort of checking checking yourself. Well, it's and, slightly a case of confidence as well. The earlier when I was early in my yeah. career, I was terrible at this, um, if I'm honest, and I raised my voice too often. Not not in anger, but just like uh, just no. to be heard, really. Um, well, it can be frustration. Yeah. You know, it can be frustration, can't it? It's in, as in, you you said it yourself. You've got time pressure. You've got a lot of different things that you feel that you, you you have to do you have to achieve particularly near the start of lessons and if you don't sort of conquer that challenge of loads of people talking while you're talking then um yeah then it's a really tough situation to be in and you can understand whatever you know people do to try to deal with that situation um particularly in a mainstream classroom where you might have 35 students in front of you um, but again, that's where know, it boils down to relationships. So, I mean, it, it's even more embarrassing if you're being observed, but one would hope you wouldn't be observed with that particular class until you've had time to build up a relationship. Yeah, yeah, ex exactly, exactly. Um, I'll bring um, Gillian in. Gillian, do you want to have your two pennies on this one? Yeah, definitely. I, I agree with a lot of what Andy says. The building the relationships is key and it's about showing respect and getting the respect back you model the behavior you want to see mm. so if you're shouting they might respond with yeah. shouting because they're, they're, they're mimicking your behavior if you've got a class that are quite chatty and you know they're chatty try and preempt that so i think um routines and consistency so i meet and greet the kids at the door i've got a starter ready for them it might be something that's on the promethean board it might be an activity for them to start as they come in the room individually and by the time they've all come in sort of individually in their dribs and drabs they're engaged in something at the beginning of the lesson i then have structure to my lesson so things like once my starter's finished i go into the main body of the lesson I might be some. It might be me talking, just explaining something for a bit, and then it leads into the activities that I've got ready for them. Then you've got your plenary and your exit, your exit tickets and things like that. So it's about having that routine, that structure, and that can help with chatty classes. It also depends what they're talking about because I mean, if they're talking about the work and they're engaged, hmm. sometimes you just got to go with it and hmm. go off. Piece, I mean, off more for me. Yeah, I mean that that first. Yeah, I mean that first one was more about a large number of students. Are continuing to talk while you're talking rather yeah. than a large number of students are continuing to talk i think there's a difference between those two things like you say and you know there's, there's some context and some situations where i've been in where you could sort of say right come on settle down now settle down now um people and they'll and it'll happen um, yeah you know sort of reminder and it'll happen um and of course that'll that'll also depend on how established I, I think Andy touched on this yeah it's like how long to you can't you've got to establish yourself and your routines and your patterns and your way um you know before you can sort of just I don't know how to describe it but you know I guess like be the teacher you want to be sort of thing mm -hmm. you know but I also think like shouting is 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 a no-no mm -hmm. um but 
you know, again, sometimes you can use your voice very effectively. You can quieten down your voice. You can turn the tone up a little bit. You can, you know, have a, have an assertive tone without shouting. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and that can work well. Yeah, I agree. It's about modelling those behaviours that you wish to see in the class. So as I say, if you're shouting and throwing your toys out the pram, so to speak, then they're not going to respond well to that. And what I usually do is if I've got a really noisy class, I actually start speaking quieter and quieter and quieter. And they start to listen, but it doesn't always work. And as Andy says, sometimes there's kids who come in, they'll just talk over you and they'll just go. And I think it's about, it's a case of staying calm and building those relationships. And once you build the relationships, the the attention from the pupils will follow, but it takes time. Yeah, Yeah, it takes time. Absolutely. And I, I think, you know, what do you two think about this idea of sort of, conflict in in the early stages with a group where this this sort of thing might be happening where a large number of students are are continuing to talk while you're talking do do you sort of challenge them do you you know what do you what do you do you know what what you you've said maybe talk to them on an individual level you know i've said maybe um to to sort of address you know maybe two or three students i i find that once you start addressing them in a very calm way one or two or three students then the other sort of clock on yeah and and but some people would say no just just do nothing just stare just do the teacher stare just wait for quiet as andy said though sometimes that that won't happen yeah or you're in a situation where you wait for quiet and then you eventually get quiet and then someone someone does something just as you're about to talk and you back and you back again now some people would say spend 20 minutes on that and i think I think fair enough. You know, we have to do whatever works for us. The other option, of course, is to is to address maybe with two or three uh, in a in a sort of assertive, non-aggressive, business-like way, and and just sort of address as quick as you can. Um, uh, John, I want you to stop talking now. Thank you, um, Lisa. I want you to stop talking now. Thank you, to, and and do that sort of semi-quickly and assertively. Instruction, please thank you whatever the whatever the, the the script there is and then hopefully others will will look at that and go you know what yeah i'm going to start responding and then maybe you might you might whittle it down to one um who you know is is still sort of refusing to to, to sort of buy into what you want and then maybe you've got different options haven't you you know what to do then you know I don't, i'm just thinking out loud here to, to be honest, most kids know what, what they do, will know what they're doing is not, not right. And, and it's getting yeah. them to, to um, show, show you and their classmates a bit of respect. It's not just, and, and once they, once they realise that um, they're, they're not just affecting the teacher, because affecting the teacher actually is kind of amusing. When I was at school, that was amusing, making the teacher get annoyed actually mm. and I, I i wasn't the best student in the world I, you, many will be absolutely surprised to hear um <laughs> but uh I, so, so annoying teachers, but if you're annoying your mates by holding up the lesson actually that's quite powerful so so you're you're sort of johnny please can you can you do you mind stopping because we, we need to get on that sort of thing but it, it's yeah, pleases and thank yous help as well. Politeness is key. If it if it comes across as rude, you got no chance. Mm, mm, mm. Um, yeah, I, I think we've covered a lot there on that one. Um, we've got Daisy here. Daisy, I don't know whether you've heard heard the end of that one. 
but it was a large number of students are continuing to talk while you're talking. Yeah, yeah, I caught I caught the end of it. Um, I mean, we we've pretty much we've pretty much covered that. I, I guess like the sort of situation where you haven't been it, where everything we've just done hasn't worked. What do you do then? Yeah, so um, I think this. I obviously this majorly depends on the school and like the support network that you've got in regards mm. to like behavior. Um, but I'm pretty ruthless, like with my classroom management. Like, yeah. Um, if I've had to ask twice, and to be honest, I'll ask the first time, like, all right, that's enough, thank you. Like, not talking when I'm talking. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second time, it's, okay, now, you know, we're really not talking when I'm talking. If I have to ask you again, you know, there's going to be consequences, blah, blah, blah. Third time, out. Send mm-hmm. them out. Um, you know, and the thing is, I will sort of echo, like, what Andy said, like, I would frame it like that. I'd be like, you need to leave because you're disrupting the lesson and no one else in his learning. So you need to go my outside. Like frame it in a way of like, you're not bothering me. You're stopping them from learning. Um, there's also there's also the opportunity, perhaps after a, a set of prompts that, that could be that, like I said, that sort of assertive. I want you to stop talking now, please. They continue to do it. Okay, I'll go back again. And it may be after that sort of assertive phase, you then flip into sanctions, which is what you've just described, whatever the school policy is, you know, that you have available to you. And it may be that at the end of that sanction process, you know, after, after, you know, towards the end of, that might be the time to present the choice of, well, you, you can either do A or B, you know, and, and the result of B is this and the result of A is this. You know, that's, yeah, that's I'm- an option. I'm a really big fan of like it's a it's like rule 101 is like you mustn't back a student into a corner. Mm. So so when I send students out it's to have that private conversation of like what is going on? Like what why are we consistently doing that? Like do you not understand? Do you need more help? Like what's what's going on? Like and I always frame it in a way of like because I know you're not just choosing to talk over me. Like I know you wouldn't mm. do that. So what is it like, you know, just framing it. And then, like you say, if you get to the A and B, I just think the, the most important part with that is if you go in there and you carry on talking, I'm going to do this, this and this. If you go in and carry on working, job done, no problem. Like we're moving on. Like yeah. it's giving them both options and saying this is what happens next is entirely up to you. And this is, you know, but but this is what we'll do. And I think that um when I talk to ECTs about that, it's just super important. I think at that stage that whatever you say is going to happen, like you must not bluff. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. what you say is going to, if you say, if you carry on, I'm going to contact home. Mm-hmm. I've got to contact home. Even if at the time, even if looking back, you're a bit like probably, yeah. you know, probably jump the gun a little bit there. It doesn't matter. Once you've said that to them, that has to come next. You have to follow through. Like, because, you know, then you're just reinforcing the fact you chose that you chose that outcome there's the outcome like but yeah like you say i would give a choice i would say listen you can either carry on talking and disrupting the lesson and this is going to happen or you can take part i'm happy to come and give you a bit more help we can do this do that and everything's golden carry on with, yeah. with that sort of thing yeah i mean like uh, yeah i mean it's that sort of assertive model with with you know and then you want to you want to stay in that assertive zone in my this is my opinion you want to stay in that assertive zone for as long as possible before flipping into the sanctions you want to try and stay there but obviously if you can't you then have to flip at some point into that 
and then it's how you present those and it's it's how you again between the sanctions sort of flipping back into those assertive conversations giving that time for them to actually um make a a change in the behavior or or choose to you know rather than going right that's first warning right that's second warning right that's third warning right yeah and you must avoid the setting them up to fail because if they're you know if sometimes i think that like we've all done it like oh my like i used to be the worst for getting the giggles and like i and like i still do now if something makes me laugh and you know if it's really got me then then it takes me ages to to sort of stop and especially if i keep seeing the thing that's made me laugh or something like that you know you need to give them the opportunity to mm. to to mm. sort of step out of it which is yeah. why I, I do like sending them out I go out and talk to them mm. super calm, mm. super like, what is going on? And then I always say, I'm going to go back in, you take a minute, and then what happens, happens. Like, we either crack on or, you know, we'll have to have another conversation. Mm. And I think and just saying to them, like, give it a minute is, again, you're allowing them to take control and you're allowing them to be in control of what happens mm. next. Because mm. sometimes if you if you are, like you say, one warning, two warning, three warning out, then it's it's just very kind of... It's almost like they're on the roller coaster. You've you have backed them into a corner, and they mm. also have to save face. And especially in senior schools, teenagers will always save face. Like you can't mm. embarrass them. Like if you try and embarrass them, they will push back. So by again having that conversation in private, and then giving them a minute, you potentially offer them an out, so they don't have to carry on with that sort of confrontation with you because you've offered them a way out without losing face. Catherine's made some really good points. Catherine's tweeted in, friend of the show, or friend of TTR, says, um, can you not add up the minutes lost and add them to the detention? Uh, probably. Um, she also says humour can be helpful. Uh, absolutely. Definitely. Um, oh, in- uh, yeah, my absolute favourite is if it's after break or lunch, I always start with a, what did you have for break? Have you had a lot of sugar today? Like, oh, bouncy. Do you know, like, just kind of really jovial, really kind of friendly. Um, I'm an avid hater of detention, so I won't, I won't. Uh, well let's move on because i've got lots to get through so jillian i want to come to you next um Uh on this one so this one is at the start of lessons students are entering very noisy and all over the place um you don't teach in your own classroom so you can't set up prior to that lesson starting and you can't really line up the students easily um what would you suggest on this one again it depends on the school and our school we've got our own laptops and there's docking stations in each classroom so even if I don't teach in one classroom I can ever I can have everything set up on my computer yeah um for the lesson so it's a case so if I go in I click my computer on the docking station I'm good to go so there is still a quick start um as they come in if I know I'm using this classroom I've got a seating plan I think yeah. seating plans are key um can be can be work. more challenging if, if you change the rooms. I mean, you can still have the seat yes. one, but it can be can be challenging to manage it if you're in four or five different classrooms. I guess people that move chairs true, around, but... tables around, etc. Yeah, no, I agree with that. But at the same time, if if it's a classroom that's not my own, I tend not to move the tables. I would just go with whatever that teacher of that classroom has set up. They have, right. but I, I do think that's important to have yeah. that kind of structure again. Um, the meet and greet part so as they're coming in okay you can't necessarily line them up but you can you know chat to them as they're coming in and you know if they've got an energy can put that away put your phone away and just that kind of discreet kind of 
mention it to them as they come in the door as they're coming in um right you come into class make sure you get your jotter out starters on the board start the starter that always works for me having the starter on the board um if it's not my own room and yeah. um, just having a, something for them just to get them engaged to begin with yeah. um if you don't know how to do the starter copy the question down just now because someone will be like oh i don't know what i'm doing right we'll write the question down just now i'll go over it in a minute or two with you but let's just get in and get started get the jackets off get the phones away get the energy drinks away if it's after break or whatever um and just get all those little issues ironed out if they need a pencil just give them a pencil you know i always just make sure i've got stuff like that i don't have arguments about the little things i think it should pick your battles with them yeah um you know there are kids i've worked in some really challenging schools with kids that you know they, they just don't have a pencil they can't afford things like that so it's just you you just make sure you've got that so and again it's about having a routine as best as you can and it is difficult when it's not your own classroom and you come in and you know maybe the teacher before you's run on and you know the kids are bouncing off the, the walls or whatever that is difficult but stay calm you know um and just go with it as best as you can so you can't control everything and you can't control the behavior of others so if the class are coming in and they're not settling you just have to stay calm stick to your routine stick to your consistency keep your expectations consistent with them as well um and take it from there mm-hmm. andy i don't know whether you've got anything to add on this one which is this one about just for anyone joining us who's just joined us we're going through a list of scenarios that are common in schools when it comes to behaviour, student behaviour, and talking about how we might try and, and and manage those scenarios. So this one is at the start of lesson, students are entering very noisy and all over the place. You don't teach in that classroom. Um, and so you can't really line up the students easily. And Julian's given some some great sort of suggestions there. Andy, I don't know whether you've got anything to add to that. Uh, not really, but I will say that I think a personalised sort of welcome greeting is is an underrated thing. Um, because it makes every student feel um, uh, valued within the class. Um, but ultimately, it all boils down to routines. If you get into good routines, so Julian's got her starters and stuff. I do I do um, title, date and all that sort of stuff. And yeah. we're ready to learn within within a minute. I do I do the register by eye, so we're not faffing about whilst I call out however many names. Um, we're, yeah. we're, ready to, we're ready to get on with doing some math. So that it, it boils down to routines. It boils down to personalised greetings, which comes down to uh, relationships again. It's it's amazing how much of teaching and successful teaching, whether I do that or not, is possibly a moot point. Please don't talk to any of my students um, to confirm or deny that. But um, it does boil down to relationships and valuing everyone's input into a lesson. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think one of the common strands there from what yourself and Gillian have both said is, you know, give them something to do, you know whatever that is you know it might not be perfect but but having you know you can use a task particularly at the very start of the lesson as a vehicle mm-hmm. um to sort of drive drive you in the class forward you know give them that focus give them something to do it can be very difficult if you if you enter in a classroom as a teacher that has to move rooms you're just in there nothing set up the way you want it you're faffing around you've got to sort of triple task i was going to say multitask like definitely multitask probably about three or four things going on all at once and it's very very difficult it can be very very difficult i've been in that situation this is where you rely on colleagues actually not messing yes. the classroom up 
Um, yes. and not leaving it, not leaving it a tip, etc., etc. I'm a, I'm a big believer in the staff body being a very collegiate unit and moving in the same direction. Um, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure everyone else. Yeah, everyone else is the same, but I think they think possibly they're the same. But if you if you leave a classroom really untidy or have moved the desk and haven't moved them back, that actually that can destroy a lesson that follows you. <laughs> Um, Katrina, I, I can't connect you. I, I know you're an 18-plus award-winning adult star, but I, I know you've requested to speak, but I just worry about the, the sort of content. And we're talking about classroom management here in um, in school. So thank you anyway for listening, Katrina. really appreciate it. Um, Daisy, I don't know whether you've got anything on this. Yeah, so um, in terms of like a really boisterous class coming in, um, I think sort of piggybacking on the relationships thing like if you know you've got a couple of key kids who um are potentially the more boisterous of the group or are the ones likely to sort of struggle settling in like i like to get them on side give them something to do like oh do me a favor will you hand these out or oh well i just mm. do can you just do this can you just do that yeah especially if you're moving classrooms and stuff yeah. get them up be like oh guys i'm rushing around grab this box will you oh will you move that for me like get them on side a little bit get them helping um and then i think the other thing is like you say routines but also carrying it's so this is so much easier said than done but carrying expectations so regardless of how frazzled you are or regardless of how what room you're in like if they know that they are expected that you're not going to tolerate sort of that really mad silliness at the start um or if they know that you you know you are like for me for example like i'm, I'm known for being particularly sort of um i suppose you'd say strict when it comes to getting in getting started then making sure that that's consistent across the classrooms that you're teaching and try not to end up in a pattern where you're like oh okay well lesson five on a thursday she's a right pushover because she's all stressed mm. Mm. like try not to create that like feeling because students are f unbelievably good at pattern recognition so that they will pick yeah. up with it within a couple of weeks that that's your week lesson and that's the one that they can that they don't have to really do anything and you know it's or they think or they think they don't like you or they think you don't like them if, if yeah. you get, if you start to get into that situation where ugh, they're just seeing the worst of you yeah every yeah. every lesson now now some of that might be out of your control as a teacher so some of it might genuinely be you just mentioned it when their lesson is where their lesson is yeah. where they're coming what from yeah what they've got what you're having to teach one. them because the, the, if you're a non-specialist for example you might not be as as um inspired as you are when you're teaching in your specialism there's a lot of different thing factors there to throw in of course there's millions but ultimately you've got to try and you've got to try and almost like not get into that situation where they're they're going he hates us we hate him and this is the way it is and that's the way it's going to be because yeah. once that happens it's really it's possible to get out of it yeah. but it's going to be a long haul yeah and i think that's where like carrying this expectation with you like regardless of what lesson it is and stuff and and i think if there's any like new teachers like my my number one advice really would be those lessons where you're at your most stressed you're most tired like or whatever they're the ones that you need to foresee and plan the most for you you know it's it's the one where you need to literally plan it almost like from a behavioral perspective as well as a curriculum 
perspective like like okay what am what jobs can i get them to do in them first few minutes right what you know how are we going to make sure there's not the 30 minute lull here because it's less oh it's less than five it's right after lunch there's always a 30 minute lull about the middle of the lesson when lunch is settled a bit heavy they're a bit tired like what am i going to do with this bit like that's the one where you need your routine to be stronger than ever um, and that's a big ask, like, because it's exhausting. But um, yeah, I definitely would say if you've got that class or you're in that room or whatever, that's the one that you need to target in your planning and make sure that it's it's bulletproof in terms of keeping them occupied, keeping them on side. And then that will calm you down and your behavior will be better Then your teaching will be better, I guess. Yeah. Andy, I'll come to you on this next one um, first. Um one particular student keeps shouting out answers or points during the lesson um, consistently over over a series of lessons, not necessarily like shouting out bad things, but just continually shouting out uh, over over you and other students. Um, what, but not necessarily really bad things, just just shouting out. What 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 do you sort of do with that one? I don't, you've got they're doing it for the right reasons they want to mm. they want to um show that they they've listened to you they want to show that they've learned what you're trying to teach them yeah so actually you can't really have a dig at them um I, what i what i do because this this happens i find quite a lot actually um uh i say look i know i know you know how to do it can we give someone else a yeah yeah you know and actually what i try and do but i'm, I'm a bit bad at remembering sometimes i said i don't want the hands up and I don't want people shouting out. I can't have you shouting out. I'm going to choose people. Now, the, they get a free pass if they genuinely don't know, but you can't free pass every time. Um, or they can get a phone, a friend, or anything like that. But the, and the, the kids, again, they, they know right and wrong. They know when they're doing, you know, they know when, uh, when they're shouting out. They realize eventually, if you, if you point it out to them nicely, they will know that actually, yeah, I really ought to give somebody else a chance because whilst, you know, I'm, I'm doing really well here, other people might want to prove that they're doing really well. And actually, it's again, it's a collegiate thing within the class, within the student body, I think. Hmm. No, really, really good. Um, Gillian, I don't know whether you've got anything to add on that one. Um, I agree with what Andy said. Usually I kind of put it as, thank you for your answers. You've answered really well. Um let's give someone else in the class a chance to answer. I'm going to choose some people to answer some of the questions. Because, um, you know, I, I try and kind of get the kid on side and give it, we don't want everybody just depending on you to answer the questions. Let's let's see if everybody, anybody else knows the answers just now. But you always say thank you to the people for answering and letting yeah. them know that their contribution's valued. Um, if they continually, continuously shout out, usually, I don't know if you'd like this idea, but on our Promethean board, I don't know if you've got... Promethean boards where you are, but like interactive whiteboard, you can bring up a spinner and put the kids' names on it and use yeah, that. I mean, that's kids. that sort of you may or Derek's... may not like that idea, but it might work if you've got a few shout outers. Well, Derek's um, actually to... messaged in, he said, I've got rid of hands up and have mostly uh -huh. moved to cold calling or variations of it, which is essentially yeah. what you're sort of describing. Yeah. Um, I guess, well, yeah. I mean, I personally, I, I like that idea. If, if you can organize it and you feel comfortable with it, obviously you'd yeah. have to have reasonable adjustments if you, you know, if you pick somebody who, for whatever reason, you know, um, yeah. you just knew they, they didn't want to sort of talk in front of everybody else, you know, that's, uh -huh. that's fine. Um, but I do like that idea fundamentally. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Daisy, what do you think of that idea from, from Gillian, the sort of um, 
cold calling approach or like a random name generator and stuff like that yeah i'm a big advocate for it i think that like i think that the hands up idea is like it's nice and stuff but if you and it works for some classes but if Mm. you are you know if you have got that kid who just keeps shouting out and just keeps answering not only is it annoying for for the teacher and stuff but you tend to find it builds quite a lot of resentment in the room as well like students start getting annoyed you start getting you know you might get that one kid who's like oh shut up or like or you might get you might start seeing people almost not even attempting to answer because they know that that kid's going to shout it out. If that's happening, then yeah, I think cold calling is, is is perfectly fine. Like you say, as long as you make reasonable adjustments and as long as you're kind of aware of who you're asking. But to be honest, the hands up thing, like it causes as many problems as it solves. Like, so I, I, I think cold calling is a good shout for most instances, to be honest, unless you've got a really um, sort of confident and comfortable class. I think cold calling is probably better. Andy? Cold calling is is fine, absolutely fine, as long as when uh, when a kid genuinely doesn't know, and actually this becomes easier, I think, as you get to know the class. Yeah. You, um, and again, boils down to relationships. Um, uh, what was I going to say? So you you will know, you will pick your certain questions for certain kids sometimes, and that's because you don't want to yeah. um, bend anyone's confidence. So the well, you don't want to humi- you don't want to humiliate anybody. Absolutely, do so, that's that's. The and once you know that, them, you're absolutely that's where right. the free pass thing comes in. So if they if if they say, "Oh no, I can't," I, yeah, I'd rather not answer that one. That's fine, and don't make a thing of it. Move on. But if they keep doing it, then you then you probably need to have a quiet word and just say, "Look, what, why don't you?" I know you know this stuff. That's kind of why I'm asking you these questions, and it's trying to build their confidence up and say, "Look, I do yeah. believe in you, even if you don't believe in yourself." Yeah, that's fantastic. And I, you know, for me, it's it's sort of. Again, it's like that cute sort of common sense to go, right, okay, I've done my, my, my name generator, I've done my cold calling, but I know, you know, I know what I need to do with this student. I've got, I need to build their confidence. I need to give them a start of a 10. I need to give them something where I can go, that is brilliant, well done, and then come back to them maybe later with something yeah. a bit more challenging, you know? I use phone a friend as well, where I say, like, do you want to mm. phone a friend? And then they will pick somebody and I say, like, you know, just help them get started. Like, don't give them the full answer, but just help them get started. You know, trying to, again, build a bit of, like, camaraderie in the class. Because I think that really helps in the fight against um, poor um, poor attitudes or poor behaviour is building, like, a team ethos within the class. So, like, bouncing the questions, say, okay, phone a friend. Like you say, that kind of, that kind of supportive, but not necessarily letting them get out of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, makes makes sense. Um, well, we'll move on because we've got we've still got quite a few to get through here. Um, so the next one that I've sort of put into this this pack is um, a few students keep going through all the available warnings in your lessons. Um, they're sent out according to the policy um, for the rest of the lesson. So they might be put into isolation. They may be taken to another classroom. Whatever. They don't reappear within that given lesson, but then they return in the lesson after that and they repeat those behaviours and you repeat the processes. Um, what do you do in this situation? Um, I'll start on this one with Gillian. In today's educational environment, students and teachers are juggling a mix of face-to-face, online and blended learning courses. Canvas by Instructure 
helps teachers navigate these diverse learning experiences with a user-friendly virtual learning environment that offers flexible access to courses and a consistent learning experience, all while streamlining everyday teaching processes. The world's best schools and universities are using Canvas to create dynamic courses, collaborate seamlessly, and access actionable data that drives student success. Are you looking for lesson planning materials to kickstart the new term? We've got you covered. The Day is a global online resource that turns the news into lessons. We're offering listeners a free resource on Andrew Tate that you can find on thedaynews.co forward slash Tate. Inspire personal development and critical thinking for your students by downloading the Tate Debate today and feel more confident addressing sensitive topics with your class. Visit thedaynews.co forward slash Tate to find out more. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. I don't always think isolation works. And that might be a controversial opinion to have. I think it's needed sometimes if you've got extreme behaviour, extremely challenging behaviour in your classroom, if there's a health and safety issue or someone's been really aggressive, they need to go and dysregulate somewhere um, because they can't regulate where they are. That's fair enough. But if you start isolating a pupil, you're not building that relationship with them. No, but that wasn't you know, what I was Yeah, I think asking. I maybe missed the point. Yeah, yeah, I was asking. The, so the situation is a few students keep going through all the available warnings in your lessons. Uh-huh. They're sent out according to the policy that they return uh-huh. the next lesson or the one after and they repeat the same behaviours. Between, um, so sending after... them out, between sending them out and then the next lesson, have you spoken with that pupil? Well, Because I would say that's maybe what the problem is. It's like, right, okay, well, you sent them out, but then have. a pupil... Let, yeah. Let's imagine you have. And they're um, still repeating the behaviour. Yeah. That's a wider issue then. So I suppose you're suppo- you need to know background circumstances you need to talk to your principal teacher head of department about that type of thing and look for strategies to try and keep that pupil in the class and figure out why they're not engaging with you if you've tried talking to people directly um and you're following the school policy and they're repeatedly not it's, it's a bigger issue it's, it's 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 more than just what's going on in that class and you'll probably find that that particular group of pupils are probably like that throughout the school um, rather than just in your class. And I think a lot of teachers take behaviour very personally and a lot of behaviour is not actually your fault. You know, and I've said before, you can't control the behaviour of others. You just have to look at the situation and just, um, if you're following school policy and they're repeating that behaviour time and time again, it needs to go further. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, absolutely. I mean, let's presume that there isn't, you know, I, I'm doing a lot of presuming here because we're mm-hmm. sort of making yeah, up the okay. scenario, but I think it's a scenario that can happen. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, let's imagine that, you know, the background, you know, mm-hmm. that there isn't a, 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 in inverted commas, big issue behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, what, what do you do? You know, like, it's like, what do you do next? You know, 
Um, so in Scotland, I don't know if you follow this approach where you are as well, we follow a pivotal approach. Um, and it's kind of based on, it's based on restorative practice to, to a sense. And it's based on if they're misbehaving in class, you follow, you do your meet and greet, you follow scripting, for example, with behaviour. You try and catch them being good in class rather than focus on the negatives. Um, but I suppose what I would do is I, that, that's a chat with my principal teacher and it might be a contact home or something or some sort of consequence to that behaviour. I don't like detentions, but I would probably be more like, usually you find when you contact home um, or even even just telling them that you're going to contact home is enough. But as I say, if it's repeated behaviour, it can become quite exhausting after a while. Um, and it is something I've experienced in the past. Uh, what I did about it was it was a spoke to the, because we can't contact home as class teachers where we are. It has to be a principal teacher or a pastoral teacher that contacts home. So we have to defer it further above us um, for that type of thing. Hmm. Hmm. Okay, I'll bring some other people in now. Yeah. So, um, uh, oh, is Derek actually here? Derek, let's see if Derek's here. Derek, if you want to try unmute, there you go. There you are. Yeah. Hello. I, um, good evening to you. Are you okay? I'm good. I've been here for a while. I've been listening to this. It's been great. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for listening and for, for coming in and getting involved. Did you hear that last bit? We're talking about this scenario of... I did. I did. And I think... Uh, for me, a lot of it builds on some of the stuff that, that's that's already been said, and, and and like Gillian, I teach teach up in Scotland, and um, this is not something you know. After twenty odd years of teaching, it's not something that happens to me very often. But for me, when it does happen, I think the key is going to sort out that student. So, for example, if I send a student out of my class, they've been sent out of my class, they go to my PT or they go to the deputy head, whoever is responsible for that. One thing that I, I can't stand, and I've never been able to stand in education, is those teachers who keep grudges. Mm. You know, you were crap in my last lesson. Mm. Uh, I assume you're going to be like that in this lesson. Mm. And I always go and make a point, I try and make a point of whenever I've had an issue with a, with a student, if they stayed in the class, I'll do it before they leave. If they've had to leave the class, I'll go and find them before the next lesson. And I'll have a little conversation with them. And I'll say, look, this is what happened. It's been dealt with now. As far as I'm concerned, you know, that's it done. When you come into my class at the start of the next lesson, mm. everything's mm. going to be fine. It's a fresh, it's a clean slate. It's a fresh start. We don't have to have uh, any issues. Because um, the, the way I look at it is, you know, I'm a six foot tall, rather large, bearded Welshman. And a lot of the kids that I speak to are a lot smaller than me. And they're <laughs> a lot less mature than me. And they're... You're like know, the BFG, lot... big friendly Yeah, exactly. Type. Yeah, well, <laughs> you've got the B and the G, right? Not so that friendly very often, that they say. But <laughs> I, think, I think, you know, it can be quite intimidating to be told off by an adult. Yeah. Some of these children may never have massively positive relationships with adults outside of school. No. Have sometimes what might be a repetition of what's going on in their home life from an adult. So I like to try and sort of restore the relationship and give them a fresh start. But... If it continues the next time, then we just have to, you know, refer it and, and continue to use the school system and hope that the school system works well enough. So yeah, with us up it's here, robust, it's robust enough. Yeah. yeah. So in the Highlands, it would be, you know, I, I would then refer it to my PT. It would then go to their guidance teacher, you know, and then further actions and sanctions are put in place. 
Um, I'm lucky. I work in a school with with a very supportive senior leadership, with a senior leadership who won't tolerate abuse and so on, and who will step in very quickly. But I can see that this could be quite a demoralizing thing for for teachers, particularly, I would say, um, you know, beginning teachers or what are they called these days, ECTs? Mm. Mm. You know, yeah. it, it can be demoralizing. And absolutely, as Julian said, we mustn't take it personally. It's very rare, I found, in, in my time as a teacher, that it's ever been personal abuse. No. I may no. have been the target, but it's not. It's very rarely been about me. No, it's part of. I was going to say it's part of the job. It's it's you. You have to have a positive regard. Of course, you do. And you know, I agree with you. It's very very. You need to disconnect. You need to be able to see that as part of what you need to do for, to get from A to B. Um, and yeah, and and you have to have that positive regard um, in each lesson. Like I think you use the word clean slate, which is the perfect sort of phraseology i guess um daisy i don't know whether you've got anything to add on this one but the the, the original one was um a student um goes through the all the available warnings in your lesson they get sent out on the pol- based on the policy each lesson or in numerous lessons one after the other repeat the behaviors what do you do um <laughs> um so for me uh, you've got two big problems one the problem obviously is the fact the behavior is not changing so uh, that sanction, that sanction system needs to be taken back to the drawing board because it's not working. Uh, and two, mm. uh, every time they're sent out, every time they're not in the lesson, they're falling further behind. You've now got a learning gap, making it even worse. And um, for the fact that they're coming into a lesson now and now they're disrupting because they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what bit you're on. They're not that they're missing prior knowledge because let's be honest, most isolation situations or anything like that, they don't really do very much work. So you've now got that whole palaver to sort of catch up with if you're in a position where you've got a supportive school mint brilliant if you're not um you need it's so so hard it is like it's like swimming through treacle um but it's not personal you have got to protect the education of the other 28 kids in the room mm-hmm. um, and you have yeah. to you have to hold the line it's so easy to drop your standard or drop or just to stop fighting because you know, to just stop holding them to that standard because it's just causing the same problem every lesson. And I totally understand why we get to that place. If you can't do that, you have to hold the line because, you know, you need to look after the education of the, of the other kids in the room who are being disturbed by the whole situation. Um, you know, restorative chat's great. Like, like if, if you've got the time and if you've got the if you've got the ability to do that and, and the facilities to do that. Um, if not, then, you know, you do your best to make sure that the gaps are closed. You could um, send work home and things like that. But to be honest, if it's being repeated more than two or three times, you know, I'd expect parents to be in by that point. Um, you know, I'm a head of department, so I, I would, I'd be phoning parents um, and I'd be talking about next steps in terms of education and missed mm-hmm. learning. Um, or the classroom teacher, the person who is on the front line, the only thing you can do really in that situation is keep your standards high. You're the adult. You know, you ha- don't drop your expectations because of it and just make sure that you're prioritising the learning of those who are trying to learn um, because it can be very easy for one of those students to just derail your teaching. Um, mm. And so mm. you need to make sure that, the rest of the class are still learning and that while you're doing everything you can for the disruptive student, you're not doing it at the cost of the others. Yeah. Mikey has called in Mikey. If you want to, 
put your two pence into this. Hiya, Tom. Hiya, everybody. All yeah, right. I, I, I just feel like I've been in situations, especially when I was an early career teacher, where it just went on and on and on. And it was demoralising for both like the children who want to learn and myself. I took it a bit too personally when I first started. Mm. And that learner, what, I, what I've learned now is that tomorrow I've, just I've started in a new school this year. Um, you know, I've been teaching for, you know, was it eight, nine years now? And there's been one or two issues in year eight. Apparently I'm not the only person having problems, but I've got two frees tomorrow morning. I'm gonna go now, break time, uh, change over, etc. And I need to pick off one or two characters and have a couple of chats. If mm. again though that doesn't work, I'll get ahead of year involved and and we'll have again like a corridor chat. If I that doesn't work, it's time for a sit down and it's time for like parents to get involved. I think if 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 it keeps going, if there's no escalation, I think you do you do need to like escalate it yourself. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, um, I think you know you have to ask for support. You have to ask for help, and you know at times maybe you need to demand help. Um, you know you need to say, listen, I'm. <laughs> You know, I, I, I've exhausted everything I can do here. I've, I've tried everything. I'm doing everything I can as a professional. Hundred percent. What, what can you do to help me? And if the answer is more of the same, then of course your next question might be, well, that that hasn't worked so far. So what? So what, you know, um, what are we going to do? Yeah. So from from my experience, last week I had uh, I had the head in my room. Um, for support, this you know, after eight years in teaching, I can't get anywhere with a year eight class. It's the first time this has happened to me. Bit demoralising. Yeah. Gone around this just the houses. Uh, head pulled me fair play like in the corridor. How are you getting on? I said, well, I'm struggling with this to be honest. And he said, yeah. well, I'll be I'll be up this afternoon. And he based himself in my room for one lesson, and the lesson was absolutely perfect. Fair play. He he told me he enjoyed the teaching, yeah. and I said, right, what's the next step now? Is when you don't come back. I said, "Where yeah. are we going from here?" And he said, yeah. "Right, we'll have we'll have a think about that." And you know, and it and it has improved. But like, I I you know, I've tried to take ego. I've asked, "Can I go and observe them in a setting with another teacher?" And you know that that's yeah. my my next. Step. I, you know, we all we can all. But you also have to do. remember, Mikey. In fairness to you, you've just said you started in a new school, mm. right? So, so that's going to be a factor, isn't it? Hundred percent. Relation relationships are key. Yeah, you are, you haven't had time to to build that with them and no. go through those processes with them yet. I always say you, your your system is only as good as your newest or your least experienced teacher or the gent or you know the lady or the gentleman that comes in for a day supply. You mm. you you know, and and this is where it comes from: active SLT in corridors, people popping in and out of lessons. Heads of you popping in and out of lessons. Anything I need to know, sir? Just this general accountability and buzz yeah. around the school. And when and when 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 it's visible leadership, I I do feel it works better. Yeah, yeah. Let's move on to another one. Um, again, I'll start with Gillian on this next one again, and then maybe go to Andy and so on. Uh, in fact, do you know what I'll do? Because Derek's only just joined us, hasn't been with us for that long. I'm going to start with Derek. No, Derek's gone. I'll start with Gillian. Gillian. Um, the next one is students seem, and again, I'll put the word seem in capitals there. Students seem bored and passive in your lesson, in a lot of your lessons. Maybe not all, but a lot of your lessons, the students seem 
bored and passive and it's starting to frustrate you and you, you know what would your sort of take on that be i need to change something that that would be i would need to change my approach with that particular class anytime i've had major issues with lessons in my teaching career it's been down to for me i always think i've not planned that lesson well enough i've either mm. Maybe not spent enough time planning it or planning that series of lessons or I'm not meeting the needs of the children the way I should be because either I've, there's maybe new information's come out and I'm not aware of how to meet that need yet. So I'm talking about ASN, behaviour needs, things like that um, and I've not put that into my planning enough. Um, so I think if they're seeming bored and passive something needs to change so get them out their seats get things that are and so they'll, they'll start with oh i don't want to get out of my seat i don't want to move why why, why are we doing this but engage them make your lessons engaging as best as you can now you can't be all singing all dancing all day every day that's completely impossible and you would be exhausted but what i tend to do is i pick maybe a few lessons each week that i'm going to have where um like last week about this this might not sound magnificent, but not last week because I was off last week, but a couple of weeks ago we did probability and um, I got some Skittles um, and we used um, the colours of Skittles to work out probability. Obviously I checked nobody was allergic first and things like that. Um, we did surface area and um, I got them building cubes um, and putting string through it so that they could close it. So just kind of hands-on activities and just change up how I'm teaching a little bit to try and get them more engaged and that does help and again that helps with the relationship as well um, because I'm new in the school that I'm in just I've only been in the school that I'm in about a month now um, and I'm building those relationships with the pupils because that's the, the most important part because once you've got the, the relationships the rest follows a lot easier than if you don't have those relationships um, so I'll change it up a bit get them moving take them outside to do their maths for a bit something like that um, and see if that makes a difference thank you for that i'm going to move on to derek and see if derek's back with us and then move on to andy after that derek are you there hello i am sorry i've got my, my internet's a bit low could you just repeat the question yeah so the, the, the little scenario we're talking about now is um students seem to be bored and passive in your less in a lot of your lessons um and jillian as said from her part she would look at her planning and look at um i think she said switch things up or change things up in her planning she would know it was you know that she needs to plan better basically and that's that's the key i wondered what your thoughts on that are mm. yeah i i think i think i would agree i think my first thought would be to look look at the content mm. um and look at the curriculum and what what's what's on offer now i've done a a lot of work this year personally um, looking at cognitive load theory and how that applies to the students. And, uh, you know, you know, when you do some training as a teacher and then for the next couple of weeks, all you see is that thing, you know, you go on the train, all you can see is that particular one. But I've been noticing that a lot of my courses that I've run for the last couple of years have been quite heavy in terms of, of cognitive load. So I have, I've, mm. I've changed up how I teach you know, I'm now a big fan of, of pre-teaching. Mm -hmm. So when I start a new unit, I make sure that the first two or three lessons are 
sort of front loaded with keywords and and that sort of thing so that they're not coming into the lessons and then hearing stuff for the first time and not understanding what it is and therefore sort of saying to themselves well i don't know what that is why am i bothering listening to mr roberts but yeah. it absolutely is again uh it's about making it as engaging as possible now unfortunately with me teaching in the northwest highlands um going outside is probably possible in about one or two less one or two days a year um but i can't i can't help but agree with what Julian said so what i'll yeah. do is i have and i i involve the the students in this students are, are always told what it is. so i have a, a questioning strategy of the week i use various different questioning strategies of course throughout the throughout the lesson but yeah there's always one from my list which is actually quite engaging and okay. they know at some point during the lesson i'm going to stop uh and we're going to have a time of questioning we're going to have a time of some sort of spotlight assessment type thing and I'll engage this. So, for example, um, this week's um, strategy of the week is, is call and response. So mm -hmm. I'll use my cold call in. I'll ask a student to give me an answer. I'll take that answer. Then I'll share it with the class. And they all have to then shout it back. Yeah. And we'll two or three times. Because what I find is that for the first couple of times I do it, then the students are going to look naturally embarrassed. But if they get into an expectation that they're going to have to engage in your class, they will engage. If they yeah. know that you will see them not engaging, yeah, then they're going to start engaging because they don't want to be singled out. And if we go back to what we said about relationships and, and building the positivity, so the more the more I do it in the class, the more I'm right. Well done, John. You've done really well there. You answered that fantastic. And and they're they're young people and they want the praise. Mm -hmm. They want to be um, incentivized and so on. So exactly what what Gillian said. I think it's a very hard thing sometimes as a teacher to look inwards and say, what's my part in this? Yeah. You know, the students are bored. That's fine. Uh, but we have a role, you know, there's, there's something that's made them bored. Could it be me? Mm. Um, mm. And it's very hard as, as a person to sort of, to be that sort of um, inward looking, but I think it's, it's a key skill and it's one I didn't have for first seven or eight years of my teaching career. Mm. I, I, I couldn't do that. It was never my fault. It was always a personal thing on, the, on, on the, the students. And it was when I sort of started to be able to look in there and say, okay, what can I do to improve that? Mm. Um, and after 20 odd years of teaching, it's still a constant battle to improve because the students that I'm teaching now, that the young people I'm teaching now, they are so different from the young people I taught in the late 90s. You know, and they're so different from the young people I taught 10 years ago. Uh, and we have to find ways that we can engage them. If we don't engage them, they'll switch off. If they switch off, they'll stop learning. And if they stop learning, they're going to stop behaving. Gillian, I think you've got your hand up. You want to come back in on, on that? Yeah, I just wanted to add something to that. If your kids are bored and passive, you're bored as well. So... That's what I mean by changing it up a bit because it's boring for you to sit and watch them doing nothing and being bored. So change it up, make it more engaging and also just get them moving about. And obviously I teach maths, so I'm always trying to find ways to make maths engaging for pupils because it's, mm. not, it's not everybody's favourite subject, is it? Let's be honest. Mm. Mm. And um, I'm always trying to find ways to apply it to real life and um, make it useful and get them... In 
engaged and interactive about it and that's things like maybe using making an online escape room in one note or doing a treasure hunt in class or if, if you've got a big class that's what I mean by taking them outside if you can um, and just getting them moving about but still learning um, mm-hmm. just maybe in a more of an active yeah. way or just having tasks and activities in the particular class I'm thinking about right now um, they're a class who weren't the most engaged when I took them over a few weeks ago yeah. and they've, they've turned around to say we really like your lessons because you've always got us doing something and that's a huge compliment and also when the kids see that you're making the effort for them that gets them more engaged as well because this teacher's actually making an effort for us Yeah, you know no, um, totally you appreciate that um, we, we've got a few more I want to get through. I'm going to go to Andy for this next one to start with. But before I do, um, it's a good time for me to remind you that this show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Education. So if you're listening to this and think, oh, do you know what? I fancy swatting up on some PD on behavior. Then you can check out johncatbookshop.com and you can get 20% off any book at johncatbookshop.com by using the code JCTTR2324. That's JCTTR2324. Um, if you use that code, which we've also pinned to the top of this space, then you get 20% off um, any book at johncatbookshop.com on the full range of titles that they have. And I know they have a behavior section on there. So well worth um, checking that out. If you've been thinking, Do you know what, I'm going to get a book for ages and just haven't got around to it, take advantage of the 20% off and uh, and check it out. Um yeah, so the next one, Andy, that I wanted to ask you about was um, simple. I've used the term simple here, but let's just say instructions seem to be taking a huge amount of time to enact. So you're giving an instruction to the whole class and it just feels like every single time it's taking so long to get from A to B. What's your sort of reading on that? Well, give me the easy ones, Tom. Cheers. Um, <laughs> uh, it's a tough one, really. It's 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 right. I'm I'm the worst of this because I I will go on and on about nothing. Main passion, <laughs> no, but I will go on about Depeche Mode. Actually, I can bore <laughs> anyone you like about Depeche Mode, and I do it to my class all the time. I will go off piece quite a lot. Which, so yeah. I'm my own worst enemy at this one. Um, so how do I tackle that? I need to shut myself up. And actually, what's quite good, I, I have a, a good enough relationship with most of my classes where they will just say, sir, you, you, you're honestly, you're talking too much. Can we just get on now, please? And so mm-hmm. uh, actually, it's, it's again, it's building that. They, they will know that if I've given a simple instruction, my classes know when, when they mess it up, I will, I will say to them, look, it, this is perfectly simple. Like one or two steps, very simple. You just, I'm going to say it once more and once only. And if you don't know, I'd, I'd suggest you ask somebody else to explain to you because I'm obviously doing it in a language that is not contacting with you, you know, not um, chiming with you, as it were. So that, it's a, that's a tricky one. I'd, I was going to come in on the last one, changing it up, absolutely spot on. I teach maths as well. I use Tarsias, bingos, treasure hunts, the works. They, um, and, and actually, if whilst routines are great, um, the routine of being busy all the time is, is a good thing. All right. How you're kept busy can change. So therefore, 
um, I, I'm complete. I really like change. I, you know, oh, let's have a go at this. You know, see what it's like together. That's just a sort of suck it and see type job um, with this new thing that I've discovered. I I do lots of math jokes as well. So I, if if the kids are starting, uh, I, well, I say math jokes. People will be staring <laughs> at staring at their phones um, blankly at this point. But um, <laughs> but we sometimes, if if it's drifting at home, we'll have a you know we'll have a little. 30 seconds to a minute has anyone got a good joke i can put in a math sheet and actually they'll put their hat and then they'll start engaging and and then we can get back to the work it's great actually so a uh, little change ups going off piece i would say um and i can't even remember what you asked me about first well, what about I, I, I was gonna say you know basically we were talking about um i, I know um derek's got his hand up so we'll, i'll go to derek 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 but derek's a wise man i'll go to De- derek. let's let's ask derek derek um instruction seems to be taking a huge amount of time for students to enact or do what's your solution this this was a a major issue for me up until i don't know two years ago maybe mm. um and then i came across uh mop i don't know if you know mop the means of participation no i've not heard of that one actually but what basically it, it's another way is Looking at it, is it? Uh, I've seen it referred to as landing lights. So if you, I'm not, a, I'm not a pilot, so please don't take this as advice on how to land a plane. <laughs> but when, when a plane's coming in to land, it has these two strips of lights, and they say go to these two strips of light, do this, do that. So the, the me, the method of participation is to break it down into the the simplest of steps. So um, currently in our in our faculty, we're having to do a a teaching sprint. And one of the things we're doing is we're starting and ending each lesson with a specific set of instructions to get going. So, for example, to to end the lesson. So all of my lessons now end. Uh, and instead of just going, um, right, time to pack away. As soon as I say that, that's it. They're gone. I've lost them. So instead, I'll say, pens down, wait for that to be done. Then I'll say, in a moment, I'm going to get you to pack away. Before you do, I want you to do the following three things. Then I set out the three things, make sure that, you know, I've articulated them as clearly as I can. Then, and this is where I always used to make the mistake, is about checking for understanding and saying, right, Jack, what's the first step I want you to do? Um, Francis, what's the second step I want you to do? And just trying to reinforce it. It can, it can take ages, but it's, it's worth persevering with, with getting that skill because there's nothing more frustrating than you giving them instructions and not doing it. So again, look inwards, break yourself down. What are the core instructions? What is the minimum I want them to do? You know, mm. give them those instructions, check for understanding, and then sort of say, off you go and do that. Might not work, you know, but you've got to keep getting into it. And it comes back to the, you know, we've, we've said all night on this channel, it's been routines and it's been relationships. And once you build up that relationship and once you build up your routines, I think it should start to become a bit easier. Um, Gillian, a listener has actually uh, messaged in and they've said um, that they disagree that um, they think that passive pupils are the teacher's fault or that passive pupils, it would come down to, you know, the planning and engagement. I I wondered whether you wanted to respond to that person who's texting to TTR. I don't think... I was meaning that it was a teacher's fault. I think you do get classes that are passive, 
but I think that's a sign for you to do something about it. They're your class, they're your responsibility. And it's, some teachers are quite happy to have passive classes, but I'm just thinking if they're bored, then you must be bored as well. So make it more active, make it more engaging. Get everybody I don't moving, know, though. I, everybody... I sort of understand where that person's coming from. Yeah, I can in... understand where they're coming from as well. I, only but... in the sense that yeah. I've had, in my career, I, I can think back now to a specific few classes I had in a specific school, this is going back a number of years, where I was literally um, sweating. It was like blood, sweat and tears every single... Like, I was full-on planning. I was full-on... But on, then like, you can try to out sometimes the, as well. I was, like, know? pulling out all the stops. I was doing lots of different things. I was mixing it up. I was, you know, I, I had the subject knowledge by that point in my career. So I was, I was, I was doing it, but it was like, you know, it just felt like getting blood out of the stone, you know, and um, it, 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 that doesn't mean that you wouldn't again turn around and say, yes, I need to look at myself and need to look at my planning, but I can sort of understand the point that person is yes, making. Yes, no, I can understand the point they're making as well, but I think my first port of call would be looking at my planning and seeing that if changing it up works, first of all. Um, if it didn't work, then you would revert back to your routines, building those relationships. Mm. Relationships are still key. And I think if you don't have those relationships with them, they are going to be passive with you. And if you're passive with them, then there's, there's a part of the kind of chance in the luck. If you're not challenging them, I don't mean challenging them in a confrontational way, I mean challenging them academically or um, getting them thinking and problem solving in a lesson, about things then they will be passive because they're like, well I don't need to do any work because you know I, I can I can be passive in here and it's about getting them thinking getting them problem solving and getting the critical thinking going and things like that with them in class and it's not easy and it is hard and there are some classes where if that wasn't to work then you can say well I've tried x y and z they're still not engaging they're still being passive and then you go to the point where it depends on the year group of the class, but say it's an exam class, for example, and they've not passed their, their prelims or they're not passing check-in check in points and things like that. Well, you've got the evidence to say, well, I as a teacher have tried X, Y and Z to get these pupils engaged. They're still not engaging. And then you turn it back round on the pupil at, the, at that point and say, mm. you're still not engaging. You're still not completing a reasonable amount of work. Here's your results to show this. What are you now going to do about it? Because I've done everything I can do as a teacher. Because I was going to say, there must be times when you've done what you've said that uh, you've done there, and it hasn't. Absolutely, worked. there must yep. be surely hundred percent. Yeah. Yep. Uh, anyway, we, we could spend ages on this. Um, it's a it's a good topic. I want to move on to this one, which is quite an important one, actually. Um, I can't remember who went first last time, but anyway, I'll start with I'll start with Derek for the simple fact that Derek has been on the least amount of time. So, Derek, um, the next one is students are despite reminders and other things, they're continuing to be rude to you and each other in lessons. Now, when I say students, um, more than one, let's say, um, students are continuing to be rude to you and each other in lessons. So what would your, if you're sitting there now and you are that teacher, what is your sort of, what's your go-to right now? Great question. Um, I think my first go-to 
would be um, to think about where the, the students are in the class. If they're together as a wee group, then instantly that would be separated out to the four corners of the classroom. Um, I often have, when I found it, students being rude in the past, it has been two or three together sitting there. That's would be my first go-to. Um, but I don't, I, I, I don't tolerate rudeness to myself. I don't tolerate rudeness to each other. The, the first thing would be a very swift rule reminder that that is not how we speak to each other in the classroom. That is not how I expect to be spoken to as an adult. I would not speak to them in that manner. Um, and I would probably spend more time bigging up the fact that they're being disrespectful to each other. Yeah, because like I'm you know, disappointed, I'm upset, yeah. and, you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, because they're, they're with me for 50 minutes, you know, and, you know, because I'm, I'm big enough and I'm old enough and it's water off a duck's back to me, you know, I'm not affected by what no. they're doing. But I would probably at some point, probably in a quiet conversation, because I think we need to try and be as, as least invasive as possible. Often they want an audience. You know, so I'll have a quiet conversation with them and I'll say, look, you're not affecting me. <laughs> it sounds really harsh, but I've said it to students. I don't care what you think about me. Mm. I don't go home after school thinking, oh, my goodness, my S1s are really mean to me. You know, I don't think about them once I leave school. And I tell them that. But the friends and the people in their class that they're upsetting and that they're being rude to, it is affecting them. And they've got to spend all day with them. And it's, and it's not fair. But I'm not, um, again, thinking back to, to when I started, I used to be worried about um, escalating things out of my classroom because I thought that senior management were, would, would therefore judge me. You know, if I refer to into yeah, I refer to a deputy head. Yeah, it, it is, um, and I think we've talked all night about building up relationships, but we need to to have a good relationships with with senior management. Um, and this is sort of hard for me uh, on on one side because I'm a union rep and a local association secretary, and you know I've seen the very worst of senior management. But on a personal and professional level. I have to have good relationships and I have to trust that if there's an issue in my class, it can be escalated to them. And I think um, I was lucky enough at the last time we had a, a union conference, Tom Bennett came to speak, um, you know, and he said, he said some, some, some great stuff. And he said that one of the things that struck me was that, you know, at some point we have to realize that we're not, being judged on everything and we need to just accept you know every teacher has a bad lesson mm -hmm. any teacher that tells you they never have bad lessons is either barely teaching or is just telling you a lie yeah and having bad lessons and having pupils being disruptive and having pupils being rude does not make you a bad teacher no and you should not feel that you are being judged by senior leadership so going back to, to the question i would i would separate them in the first instance I would speak to them about the, the consequences of their actions, not necessarily, you know, these are the consequences, but more no. the impact that they'll have on each other and on their friends and how they'll become unpopular and so on. But then absolutely not be afraid to escalate it and follow the procedures. Speak to my principal teacher, speak to, to the deputy head who's in charge of that particular year, speak to, to that student's um, guidance teacher. It's also you know, getting out of that pattern of, sort of it's worrying about what other people think as well 
is it's getting out of that thing of what if they think I'm not a very good teacher? Yeah. And it's like, I don't care anymore. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to do whatever the best thing is for the students in this class. So like, that's what I'm focused on. So if people don't think I'm a good teacher, if people think because I'm doing X, Y, Z, I'm, I'm not good enough or I'm not doing this or I'm not doing that, that's up to them. You know, you can't control what other people think of you. You can't control that. The only thing you can control is the steps you're taking. And it's like, I'm just going to take the steps that I know as a professional are the best steps to take. And what other people think about that, it's almost like, okay, you know, like, that's what you think. I can't control that. Crack on. Yep, absolutely. And and then again, it's about not taking it personally. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's very, Which very, very, very unlikely. To do. I mean, we yeah, shouldn't sort is. of say it as if, oh, don't take it personally. I mean, if somebody is saying, if, if it's not even about necessarily, like, okay, let's, talk, let's think of, like, slyness. Slyness for me can be can be more difficult to not take personally if a student it isn't saying f off to you but is actually doing something that feels like it's it's more um more more like pre-planned or more like whatever but it's still not personal it just hurts more right <laughs> Do you know what i mean it's like you just gotta depersonalize it and just be like that's part of the that's part of the i mean the game's the wrong word but it's like that's they're yeah, it's not personal to you as the te- as as the teacher, the adult. It's like, yeah. I mean, maybe very occasionally it can be because they literally hate your guts. Uh, <laughs> you, nine times out of ten, it's not. Um, okay. Well, I think, does anyone else want to chip in on that? The whole, like, lot of... A lot of, of what we're saying, a lot of what we're saying is very easy to say. It's not that easy to do. Correct. Um, we are human and- beings... And, hum- and human beings you've got to be very confident in your own self-worth and that's a very difficult yeah. thing in some teaching environments so Absolutely. we need to be very careful not to sound too preachy i'm um, going to be open and honest i don't, don't mean, mean that in a horrible way everything no i completely on. agree that's basically what i was saying yeah, yeah. it's like if, if... we're all human beings there's nothing wrong with being flawed there's nothing no. wrong with wanting to be liked there's nothing oh, yeah. wrong with wanting to do well. There's nothing wrong with wanting to feel like you're making the difference and you're doing all the right things. Mm. But ultimately, we're human beings. So we're oh, never yeah. going to reach those levels. You don't go into teaching to make friends with year eights and year nines, to be honest. But if they like you, it makes your job a lot easier. So that that's but whether they like you is something you can't often control. So mm-hmm. do your best is what I would say. Um, and, and like, I've been teaching a long time. Derek's been teaching a long time. You know, we've all been, you know, Gillian's been teaching a long time. It's very easy for us to sit here when people are quite, uh, you know, was it Mikey earlier on who said he's, he's not been in the game as long as me. I'm not saying I'm anywhere near, but I'm far from perfect. As all my colleagues think. will tell you. All right. But, you know, I've got, you can't teach experience. And it's one of those things. Experience is so valuable, but you you can give advice, but until people experience stuff themselves, it's very difficult to understand what that advice actually means sometimes. Yeah. If I can yeah. just jump in for a second, Tom. Yeah, I, I, want to be, I want to be open and honest here. Now, I have, I've said a lot of these things and a lot of this stuff about um, not caring and stepping out of the school and not particularly thinking about it, 
it was it was three years ago now, right at the start, just a couple about a month before the first COVID lockdown. I had a breakdown in school. I had mm. toxic relationship with my with my senior leadership. I had a toxic relationship with my principal teacher. You know, mm. he was in my classroom seven, eight, nine times a day, uh, pretending he wanted stuff, but he was secretly watching me. Yeah, and I ended up off school for five months. Oh, I'm with, sorry to hear that, mate. And anxiety. Um, and what got me through that, I got some, managed to get some, some good therapy. I got some good support from uh, family, friends, and the union. And it's only since then, um, I came back on a, on a phased return. Yeah. Uh, and for the first few weeks, I had Thursdays off. And I came back in the first week. I did the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I had the Thursday off. And on the Friday, when I came back in, um, one of the deputy heads said to me, so how are you doing, Derek? I said, do you know what? In my 20 years of teaching yesterday, that first Thursday off was the first day I had ever had off as a teacher where I didn't feel guilty. Mm. I didn't feel guilty. I wasn't letting the, te- the school down. I wasn't letting the kids down. I wasn't letting my department down. And it took, you know, a, a, a breakdown pretty much for me to realize that, you know, to think it's not personal. It's not about that. I'm important. I can deal with this, you know, and... I'm not necessarily being judged because I found out who, who my friends were. I found out where the support was. I got a better relationship with the head teacher and so on. Um, and, you know, I, I put things in place. You, you can't, you can't teach experience. And and I've had for years, I've had, you know, beginning teachers or early career teachers that they, they come in and I've had tried with probationers we have, we have up here and they come in, they, they watch me teach and they say, Oh, I'm going to go and do that in my classroom. I said, no, you can't do that in your classroom. You don't have that. You can't teach that experience. And I really hope I haven't come across as preachy. Um, you haven't. I'm just saying we've got to. No, no, no. I, I didn't say, I didn't think it, Sorry. I didn't feel it as a, a personal thing because I want to, to you know, it, it is teaching is, is, is a hard job and it takes a lot out of you, you know, and, and it's hard not to feel it personal. It, it, it is. And it took a long time for me to, to get to that point. Um, but thankfully, things like this coming up onto here and having a chance to chat and to listen to, to some of these simple, simple steps and simple things that we can do and listen to great teachers with great experience is helpful even for me. You know, after yeah, that's some, right, it, and it, sometimes it sometimes it is about again as a maybe as a more experienced teacher, it's about um, doing the things that you would have liked a more experienced teacher to have done to have helped you when you were struggling. Um, so for example, for me, um, my, my PGC was just like hardcore difficult. Like my PGC, I was in two of the toughest schools in Wales, like no exaggeration. And, um, it was super tough. What I would have, what I liked at that time was, teachers who were really experienced whether they were acting or not i don't know but saying things like just talking about their own weaknesses and being like i've just had this lesson this happened oh i don't know what i'm doing or oh what am i doing or oh what should i have done i should have done it when i'm seeing that modeled i'm going well i'm feeling a little bit better here. i'm feeling a little bit stronger i'm feeling a little bit more confident now those experienced teachers they that could have been an act that could have been that could have been like I'm solid, but I'm doing this for Tom. 
because I want to make him feel better and I want to I want to make him feel more relaxed. I want to make him feel more embedded. So I think I think and that may be just complete rubbish what I've just said. But the point I'm trying to make is like experienced teachers can can play that role. And it doesn't have to be that as an experienced teacher, that role has to be one of I am absolutely strong and on top of everything. And I'm I'm literally just I'm running this. It doesn't it doesn't have to be like that. It can be like that in some circumstances, of course. And, you know, showing that side is, of course, important. But the other part, showing vulnerability, showing approachability, showing fallibility, showing all those things can be really, really impactful and helpful to not even new teachers, just teachers new to a school, right? Who are new to a school, could be an experienced teacher who's been teaching for 10 years. They go into a school where it's a very different place than what they know and they need to see people who are showing their vulnerable sides. And I, and you know what? In some school environments, that is incredibly tough to do because you're literally being monitored to your high heel. So if you show vulnerability, you might be worried it will be picked up on and you'll be marked down for it or whatever, right? But I, I'd like to think that once you hit certain experience levels, you can sort of go, I'm going to rise above that and I'm actually going to be vulnerable and I'm going to be real and I'm going to show the whole genuine package of what I am as a professional. But it is still difficult for anybody to do that. But I don't think we do it enough within the profession. I don't think we do it enough for valid reasons because people don't want to lose credibility within their schools that can be pressure cookers but that's sometimes what i think we need to try and do anyway god we could talk wow this has got deep uh, which is good um jay you've got two minutes mate you've called in i want to hear what you've got to add i i well i'm i'm the student which was mentioned in the pop and uh, the radio before mm. i uh i was the kid to shadow dancers uh, annoying to to you teachers. Uh, the the strategy my teacher used in which was my sociology teacher. I often shout out answers because I know them, and it does discourage my my classmates from talking. Uh, and I do feel guilty about that. Uh, what my teacher do to me is uh, he he, he keep me down after lesson for about ten thirteen seconds. Say, uh, Jay, you're talking too much in. In lesson, you you're you're answering, you're shouting out your answers, and yeah. now the teacher still do still do hands up because we are quite a small class, but I I tend to know as he keep repeating and reminding me that I tend to try to control myself during when I'm trying to answer, and answer when uh, I try to actually hand out or even encourage my classmates to or to answer the questions I I think is. Well, to an, to a level easier for me, and answer the hard ones. So I think by giving students more respects or valuing their input, like my input into lesson and their input into lesson, uh, can can help those students who are very eager to learn, and find the balance between their eager to answer and to engage with the the the, the need of the rest of the class to engage. Also, I yeah. was, I think. On on the more pettier sort of misbehavior, like shouting out a lesson 
like getting on with their phones or not pay attention. I think more we need is sort of a more to- a more tolerant and respectful approach that teachers should take on them. More tolerant, I mean, when I was in year 11, year 10, I seen a lot of lessons seriously disrupted, half the lessons being spent on a hoodie or a phone because the students don't like to hand out their phone, students don't like to hand out the hoodies to the teacher. No one likes to, no one likes to hand out their stuff to the teachers. I, I think it's more important, I always tell my teachers to do that, some of them take my advice, just get on with the lesson and if the student don't hand out their phones, if the student don't take off their hoodies, talk to them after lesson. I want to learn. I'm not seriously disrupted because the person sitting next to me or two rows behind me have a hoodie on him. So I'd rather say Mm. it's important for teachers to realise or to understand what students feel, make them feel respected and valued in lesson and to have a bit more tolerant and know when and where to, at which level to inter well intercept misbehaviour or what can be done actually after lesson instead of during lesson in front of the whole class. If a teacher talks to me in person, uh, as if I I'd sometimes misbehave, misbehave, I'm not a perfect student. But when a teacher, I, what I feel is when a teacher talks to me in lesson in front of everyone, I tend to be a bit more. Uh, deviant or let's say I'll, I'll be a bit more harder to deal with but if the teacher talks to me nicely after lesson and wish to talk to me that Jay you're not doing very well there uh, then I'll try to accept and understand the, the, the maybe what the teacher is thinking about or maybe mm-hmm. I am disrupting the classes even if I thought I'm doing the right thing or even if I thought that's not a big deal I have to understand the teacher's just doing his job that sometimes I think, instead of disciplining in lesson, sometimes necessary, but sometimes not really, uh, it's perhaps worth thinking about when you see a, a disruption or when you see some lot less less disruptive that's behaviour that's breaching the policy. Hoodie, for example, you, you can think about whether you, you can actually talk to the person in private. They'll be more open to you in private. That's just what, what what I think as a student myself. I mean, I think I think Jay, we we sort of touched on this earlier in in terms of I, I think we said you know that we we need to, I think those sort of conversations that happen outside lessons or at the end of lessons or between lessons are important. I also think I think I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth here, but I think we all sort of agree that we need to be respectful. Um, and you know, every everyone there needs to be mutual respect. Um, you know, um, in in conversations with with students and and vice versa. You know, like there has to be mutual respect. Um, so yeah, I thanks for sharing. Thank that. you. Um, re- really interesting insight. So thank you very much. Um, we've got our last one now. Our last little um, scenario. So I'm going to read it out, and then um, we'll get stuck into it just for the final few minutes. Uh, we'll hopefully whiz through this one. So you feel like it's in inverted commas, just you who has an issue with some classes. You're more or less, you've more or less been told this by a member of SLT and other colleagues. What do you do? How do you audit your own classroom management to know if you are on the right track? Um, and how, in general, how do you respond to this? Do you, how do you deal with it for your own well-being? Um, Gillian, I'll come to you first on this. 
I think if you've got SLT and colleagues that are saying it's just you, you need new SLT and new colleagues. <laughs> to be quite honest, it's never just you. Correct. And, and it, it's, it's, correct. it's that thing where it's, oh, well, they behave for me. Oh, well, good for you. Mm-hmm. They're not behaving for me. And I've always found if I'm having issues with classes, speaking to my colleagues has got me through it because usually I find mm. out it's not just me. Mm. And Set other teachers are having the same issues or maybe or another thing that we sometimes do is we maybe observe the pupil in other classes if we've got time so like shadow the pupil for a day um and see how they are another class or shadow a class for a day and see how they are another subjects so that we can get ideas and strategies for our own classes um to, to again go back to building those relationships and um, applying certain strategies to make it easier with those classes. But it's never just you. And if mm-hmm. and I mean, I have I have had management that have been like that and I've moved on, to yeah. be quite honest. Uh, Derek, anything on this one? Andy, anything on this yeah, one? Sorry. Oh, um, yeah, sorry, I was uh, had uh, pressed the wrong button. Do you know, um, <laughs> I can't say anything other than what Julian said. It is not. It is never just you, you know, um, and I can I can attest to this from from a union point of view, from the meetings I've sat in, yeah. where senior leaders have said this, and we would never say that to a student. We would never say to a student, "This class is doing fantastic. You're the only one who's failing," you know. And for for a manager to to say that to to a member of staff I, I, is is just wrong. It's 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 not right. Now, of course. There are teachers who have issues with certain classes. Um, I remember years ago hearing a, a quote, you know, someone said that what, what I like to do is is wait until there's someone screaming at you to get something done and then there's someone there to help you do it. If someone comes to you and says, you've got these particular issues, then we just need to say, okay, what's your solution? If you're saying I've got a problem and I can't deal with it, what's your solution? Don't Don't offer me problems, offer me solutions, if that makes sense. But it's, you know, that's a, I have had senior leaders say it to, to well, I've had it said to me, I've had it said to, to friends and colleagues. And and as Gillian again, she said, speak to your colleagues because you'll find that it's almost never, well, I, I, it, it very isn't you. And these students are like that for others as well. But, you know, it's about. And it can also, it can also be that other people are, are sort of lying to themselves and others by saying everything's hunky dory. They're just trying yeah. to keep the they're just trying to keep the batten down on it. They're just yeah. trying to keep the the outward pretense that everything's absolutely fine for their own reasons. You know, I'm not blaming those those teachers for doing that or those leaders for doing that, but they want to contain everything for their yeah. own sort of preservation, whether that be preservation of the the school mm. in the media or on a micro level preservation of their own credibility or how they feel they're perceived within that environment. And that can be part of a sort of toxic culture. Yeah. I think, presentism. I think it's something like sometimes it, what it is, is that you may be the only teacher that's, that's following the strategies and actually escalating right. it out of the classroom because you're the only one that's raising this issue. Senior leadership will only see you because as I said earlier, sometimes staff, they don't want to be judged. So they'll keep things within their classroom. They won't send out. They won't ask yeah, for exactly. for help. And therefore, you as that teacher would never find out about that. 
No. Because they didn't log it on the system or they didn't give the warning out or they didn't challenge the behavior because they thought, I'm going to keep this under wraps a little bit here and I'm just going to tactically ignore everything um, and get through each day. And then I'm going to say in meetings or in the staff room that I'm doing fantastically well, right? Because it's it's just easier to do that, right? I, I think that can genuinely happen in, in some environments. So I think you've raised some, some really good points. Andy, you get the final word on this one. Oh dear! Sorry. Right. Well, I played. I played a lot of team sport in my time when I when I could move and things like that, and wasn't quite so fat. But um, <laughs> I, I think actually teaching can take a lot from team sports. Like you're mm-hmm. only as a team, you're only as strong as your weakest individual. Okay. And so people going around saying, "Oh, well, they behave for me." It's not helpful to anyone. It's not helpful to you. It's not helpful to the person you've just told that to. So don't bother doing it. You're a team. And actually, I, I run my tutor group as a team, and we, we don't let ourselves down. And that's, that's, you know what I mean? So if one of us, if one of us does something silly, we've let, we've let the team down. And actually, the staff can do that. Staff bodies can do that. Classes can do that. And I think teamwork is massively underrated. Um, within uh, it's you know the I'm all right Jack um, yeah actually uh, a very 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 damaging um, I mean we have to also remember that many would say that the, the system is set up in such a way that competition is promoted between teachers between schools between departments whatever you know yeah. everyone it's very much set up where to make you think that you are in competition with everybody else. Agreed. And then, but and you and don't have to adhere to that particularly. Yeah, absolutely. And, and actually, you, it's not that brave not to adhere to it, in my view, um, because, uh, you know, you're supposed to be all pulling in the same direction. If you're all pulling in your own direction, you move nowhere. If you're all pulling in the same direction, you actually get somewhere. And that's, that's the sort of mentality that I, I like to work with and for. Because actually, I, I want to get better each day, and the whole school wants to get better each day. The kids all want to get better each day, and that's the way we're going to do it. Um, I just want to say a massive thanks, Andy, Derek, and Gillian. It's been an absolute pleasure. Everybody else who's called in, listened in, tweeted in, posted in, whatever you want to call it now, um, it's been absolutely fantastic. Uh, huge thanks to John Cat. Um, for supporting this show and our other shows at the moment. If you're interested in finding out more, then visit johncatbookshop.com and use the code JCTTR2324 to get 20% off anything in their bookshop. Massive thanks, John Cat, for supporting us tonight in what we're doing. I've really enjoyed the conversation. It's been, um, yeah, it's been, it's, it's got through a lot. You know, maybe we need a part two on this at some point because um, it feels like, we could go on for like days and still not go through everything that that, that happens or, or goes on, bring out all the different um, views and opinions on how things could, could work. So um, it's been great and um, hopefully helpful for you guys out there. This will be published at some point as a podcast. I'm not sure when exactly, but it will be available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all the usual ones. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll uh, look out for it. Uh, just follow Teacher Sort Radio on wherever you get your podcasts. And it will pop up at some point uh, on there alongside all our other amazing shows, which uh, which continue to grace the airwaves. Uh, it's not just this one. We have shows every single day. Uh, we'll be back again soon on Teachers Talk Radio. Take care. Good night. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. 
We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.